Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the Piedmont Church Podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing the end times. In fact, this is going to be a two-part podcast where Pastor Chris is going to be breaking down some of the more complicated issues uh, on the end times. And specifically with this episode, we are going to be going over the millennium. A lot of people have different views on this. There's about three different views. So let's go ahead and dive into it and learn more about what the millennium is. What's going on, Piedmont family? This is Jeremy Bulls, the Next Gen Pastor speaking, and we have a great podcast lined up today. I have Pastor Chris sitting across from me right now, and I'm going to be asking him some tough questions today. What's up, church? So if you didn't catch Pastor Chris's message this past week, you should definitely go check it out. But he talked a little bit on the end times, and the end times brings up lots of questions. People either want to know more about it, or they don't think that they'd be able to understand what's going on about it. So Me either. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, let's break down some of these theological issues and talk about some of the more complicated issues that go along with the end times that we didn't get to go over in your sermon. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, first off, why do the end times discussions even matter? Yeah, so uh, I guess I also want to start off, let's throw a $3 word out there, eschatology, right? Ooh, big one. Yeah, so end times, the study of it is uh, called eschatology and our eschatology matters the study of end times matters because as i mentioned in my sermon paul uses it to give us comfort to give us encouragement that the god of the universe that we believe created everything and put everything to existence has a plan and and so we can trust in him because he isn't just the clockmaker god who created everything and kind of step back and seeing how it plays out like he not only knew the beginning and created the beginning, but he knows the end and is orchestrating everything in between and the end to come. And so we have a big God. And so for me, when I wrestle with the big questions in life or even wrestle with difficulties in life uh, day in and day out, I know it doesn't seem like it uh, comes to our, our, our thought process at the beginning, but knowing that I can trust in the Lord because he knows the end gives me encouragement that I can trust him today. I mean, mm. he, he's not just kind of waiting to see what steps I take and then reacting to those. Like, he knows where I'm going. He has foreknowledge of all things. And I think understanding that about him, that theological concept that he knows all, that's huge. I mean, that omniscience that he has, that, that gives me great comfort But then I think the other side of why the end times discussion matters is because he knew that we would have big questions and doubts and struggles, (laughs) and he decided to give us just a glimpse into the future, not to scare us, although (laughs) pictures in Revelation can be really scary, Um, Mm -hmm. but I think it's just a picture to to show us his grandness. Uh, it's, it's It's a connection point for me that he understands me so well that I, he knew that I and others would question some things. We would have doubts. We would have struggles, just like the people in Thessalonica. When they heard of Jesus, they responded to the gospel. They live it out well. 
But then they start going, okay, what about my siblings or what about my ancestors or what about other people who have died outside of Christ or even in Christ? What, what does this mean? And he gives us those answers so that we can have some assurance. And that's a caring, loving, thoughtful uh, person right mm-hmm. there. So that's why I think studying the end times gives us a greater picture of who God is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a. I think a lot of people shy away from this topic just because there's so many different views out there, mm. and because there's a lot of different theologians that can argue a good strong point for each of these views. Yes, they can. And so, how strongly should we hold on to these views? Yeah. So I've always heard in ministry you have open hand and closed hand views. So open hand views are more flexible. They uh, will all fall within popular evangelical Christianity. So, for example, baptism. In Baptist world, or a lot of times non-denominational world, or e- and even some other um, Church of God and some others, we, we all will profess in believer's baptism. And that is when someone comes to faith in Christ, they then respond by being baptized and kind of uh, symbolically gesturing to the church around them, hey, I'm now a follower of Jesus. Well, then there are others, Presbyterians, Methodists, um, I think even Anglicans, um, believe in infant baptism or what's otherwise known as paedo-baptism, and they will baptize their babies, their children, uh, kind of setting forth the covenant uh, that you kind of see in Israel in the Old Testament uh, of God's chosen people. And so that's an open-hand belief because I'll be in heaven with Presbyterians and Methodists as well as you know other non-denominational people and Baptists and Assemblies of God and others. And so it, it's a belief that doesn't take me outside of Christianity right? Mm -hmm. Popular evangelical Christianity. That's an open hand, very flexible belief. However, on the other hand, you have closed hand beliefs. These are non-flexible, if that's, if I could say it right. Like these have no flex (laughs) at all. Uh, And so like one of those would be Jesus being the Messiah. Mm -hmm. If you do not profess him to be the son of God, fully God, fully man, walk this earth, died for our sins, lived a perfect life before he did that, comes back to de- uh, comes back to life after death, and then ascends into heaven, him being the full Messiah that the Old Testament uh, proclaimed and spoke about, then we're not going to have core theological doctrinal beliefs together. Mm-hmm. And I would say that if you can't hold something like that, then you're not even a Christian. You are some other line. And we kind of talked about this this past week. And so the second coming is, uh, it's a closed hand belief. It's scattered throughout the Bible and it cannot be really, uh, can't be left open to allegory, uh, which is, you know, symbolism or, uh, some other type of, you know, just picture. Uh, and it can't be open to that because allegory leads to open interpretations, Mm -hmm. right? And so the second coming is happening. And if you believe otherwise, you have now left evangelical Protestant Christianity. And so um, that's we should hold that view very strongly because it's a closed-hand thing. The second coming, it's a thing. However, when you get to the ideas around the millennium 
and the tribulation, those are a little more open-handed beliefs. Um, so while I do believe that some views uh, that we're going to discuss are better than others, none of these popular eschatological beliefs will distort Scripture and lead you away from Jesus until you take that open hand thing. So, you know, if we talk about post-millennial or pre-millennial or all-millennial, those are open hand beliefs that you can, as a Christian, hold one of those three and be just fine and you can have a biblical stance for them. But when you begin to kind of close your hand around one of those, uh, you begin to make it uh, a little larger than it should be. We, we begin to elevate uh, that belief, and what it will eventually do is it will cause us to misinterpret the Bible. Mm -hmm. And in seminary where it's called like having good hermeneutics, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to understand um, how we study the Bible, because the Bible isn't just like some book that we just openly random read. It has a flow about it, and it has a way in which it was written. And so we have to today, with good hermeneutics, understand who the letter was written to in the specific book of the Bible, how it was written, why it was written, what was the purpose behind it. And once we get that contextual understanding, we can then pull off what's the meaning for it, and then what's the meaning for it today. And so um, to answer your question, <laughs> that's, a lot, that's a lot of backstory and a lot of, you know, a lot of things moving. Um, we should hold uh, the core fundamental belief that the Lord is coming again mm -hmm. and he will make all things right and uh, he will save his elect church and those who are not in his church, those who have not repented and believed in Christ, they will, uh, as scripture says, uh, perish into an eternal pit of fire. And we should hold that view extremely close-handed and near and dear to our heart, uh, and it should fuel us to reach more people. Uh, but some of these other things we're going to talk about, they're very open-handed. Mm. And, uh, I, I, you know, I made a joke this past Sunday. I talked to a friend um, asking him if he was pre-millennial, post-millennial, or all-millennial, and he said, I'm pan-millennial. He said, I just, you know, basically God will pan it all. It'll all pan out in the end kind of thing. So mm -hmm. it, it's a tough thing to wrap our head around, and it's a thing that I think a lot of people want to study. Uh, but I think the more you study it, the less you want to study it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's to say the least. Um, we should hold some of these things really near and dear to our heart, and while others, it can be fun to study, um, it shouldn't be at the forefront of our minds necessarily. All right, yeah. So keeping that in mind, let's try to flesh some of this out a little bit more. Uh, and you mentioned it a couple of times now, amillennial, postmillennial, premillennial. So what exactly is the millennium that you're talking about in this, for those yeah. who don't know? So I, I'm going to try to not r ramble as much as I already have, because <laughs> there's just so much. I've, I've got pages full of notes in front of me just to make sure that I don't even forget what I already know kind of thing. So let's start off, I guess, um, with the millennium as this understanding of an earthly reign of Jesus. And so there are really three popular views surrounding this idea. The first one uh, is premillennialism, and this is um, 
that Jesus will return. This is his second coming, and he will then reign on the earth for a literal thousand years. So that's premillennial. Um, he will come back and will reign for a thousand years. The second one is a, a post-millennial uh, view, and this is the millennial reign uh, has actually already begun uh, in a sense, uh, and then when we have done our work, Jesus will return. Okay. And we're going to unpack mm -hmm. all of these a little deeper in just a second, but I kind of want to just give a just quick overview. And then the third one is millennial, and this one kind of is closely connected to post-millennial, uh, but it differs in some, some varying ways, and the... The, the primary way I would say it differs is uh, they don't believe in a literal 1,000-year reign, uh, and technically post-millennials don't believe in one either, um, but all millennials will kind of land in this place of the already but not yet, okay. and so uh, we'll unpack what that means if you don't already know what that means, but you have premillennial, they believe Jesus is coming back. He'll reign for a thousand years uh, on this earth. Post-millennials kind of believe that we can kind of usher in um, the second coming of Jesus by doing what we're supposed to be doing as Christ followers. Amillennials uh, similar, similarly believe that we're already in this kind of place. Uh, however, it's not a thousand-year reign. Literally, Jesus won't necessarily be walking the earth. Um, it's an already but not yet kind of kingdom mindset, as you find in some of the Gospels. So... You want to break this down? You want to go piece yeah. by piece? Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's let's explain this a little bit All right, more. So uh, I, I want to. I'll start off um, with probably one of the more complicated and one of the ones that I don't necessarily prescribe to, um, and it's one of the ones that I think has become more and more popular in the last century. Uh, it's post-millennialism, and so this kind of begins with the idea that the world will become better and better that the gospel will go out and reach more and more people. Um, kind of, uh, one of the songs we actually sing uh, kind of has some millennial um, tinges to it. Uh, it says, until the whole earth looks like heaven. And so the kind of post-millennial view is based out of this uh, passage, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 10, uh, when Jesus is kind of teaching people how to pray. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the post-millennial will believe that if we, as Christ followers, will do the things that God has empowered us to do through his spirit, then we will um, kind of usher in God's return. And um, so this is kind of how um, that will work. So I want you to start by kind of looking at the post-millennial understanding, um, when I, I made the statement that they believe the world will be better and better, I think it's uh, kind of challenging when we look around the news today to think, how does anyone hold a post-millennial view when we look around the world and go, the world is not getting better and better? Mm -hmm. So I, I want to put the brakes and say, well, first, make sure that we're not judging a theological view in the Bible based on necessarily 100% of what we see in the world. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to just completely say, hey, post-millennials are wrong, because when I look around the world, you know, is it any better than it was 50 years ago? The answer is no, blah, blah, blah. I want us to be able to look at this biblically. And so 
what we're going to do in this this kind of first podcast part one is we're going to look at the millennial reigns. So we'll look at post, pre, and amillennial. And then in the second one, we're going to talk about the tribulation. And so uh, I'll try to go as quick as possible. So again, post-millennial are people who believe that um, we as Christ followers have been empowered by Jesus through his spirit to go preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Augustine kind of started this view, Mark chapter 3, verse 27, it says this, but no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. So in this verse, but no one can enter a strong man's house. Augustine uh, approximately, what's this? I think he's late 300s, early 400s, um, would see that the strong man is Satan. And so uh, no one can enter the Satan's house and plunder his goods until he first binds the strong man. So the post-millennial would see when Jesus came his very first time, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, was resurrected. At that moment, he bound Satan. Mm -hmm. He was bound for the millennial reign, so to speak. And Jesus came in and ushered his kingdom in. And so at that point, the, the, the ending verse says, then he indeed may plunder his house. And this goes to the idea that because of sin, we were Satan's people, no longer God's people. But then when Jesus comes, ushers in the new kingdom, binds Satan, Jesus and his spirit can then go out and plunder Satan's house, so to speak. So uh, in some ways, if you think about the kind of the spread of Christianity, you may be able to understand this line of thinking because Christianity takes the scene when Jesus comes, dies, and then what happens? The church explodes. Mm -hmm. And so this is one way of being able to uh, explain the explosion of Christianity. Like, why can we reach people all across the world with this belief? And it's because... They would say Satan is bound, the spirit is moving, and as we continue to do so, we will reach more and more people, and they're going to base some of their beliefs off of like Psalm 47, Psalm 72, and Psalm 100 to say that people from all nations will eventually come to know God, and when that happens, then Christ will return. And so... um, you can see a lot of post-millennials are extremely missional because they believe in part that they can kind of usher in Jesus' return by their faithfulness. And uh, really all three of these views are going to base a lot of their um, eschatological views off of Revelation chapter 20. It's a very popular passage. Um, just so you'll know, the post-millennial will not read Revelation chapter 20 as a literal um, depiction of what John is seeing. It's it's more allegory and symbol, and that's part of the reason why I will struggle with it, because if you read some parts as symbol or allegory um, in Scripture, uh, where are you coming up with the way in which that was presented? Was, was John intending it to be allegory? If he was intending it to be real, you know, literal, you know, this is exactly what's going to happen, and you read it as allegory, the theological view and implication that we're going to see is going to be a little different. Um, Post-millennial view can also be disputed by some of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 24. um, As he's talking to his disciples, you can kind of clearly see that the world is not going to be a better place as Mm -hmm. the end of time comes. So that's kind of post-millennial. Does that make sense 
did I miss anything? As, as best as I can keep up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know is. there's a lot going on there. You, this, this is probably not one of those podcasts you listen to on like 1.5 or two times, right? It's yeah. like 0.5 and I'm going to talk like, <laughs> really? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it might be something you have to come back and listen to. And I promise you, let me say this. I should have said at the beginning, I don't have all the answers. And I might mm-hmm. say something that you go, what is wrong with that? And Google it. And um, I, there's a lot of crazy answers out on the internet. So I'll just warn you, mm-hmm. uh, if you Google Antichrist or end times <laughs> of tribulation, you're going to get a plethora of different types of stance out there. So just be weary uh, of that and be aware of those kind of things. So that's post-millennial view. Basically, if as Christians um, operate the way we are because Satan is bound, we can go out and make disciples and usher in God's second coming. Second view is premillennial. This is probably the more popular uh, of all three views. It's certainly the oldest. We uh, know from church history that this was most of the early church's belief was premillennial view. And it's basically the belief that Jesus will reign on this earth for a literal 1,000 years. And the key passage for, for the premillennial is Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Um, this thousand-year period will be a time of peace. And many passages like Isaiah 65, which says, The wolf and the lamb shall graze together, the lion shall eat the straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy, and all my holy mountains, says the Lord. This is kind of the understanding and the belief that when Jesus returns and uh, he rules over the world, that peace will be here. And uh, as I said, uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 4 through 6, is kind of their, their basic, and it says this, Then I saw their thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. That is a literal picture that the premillennial will will see that and they will say, hey, the Bible says it's a thousand years. It doesn't say about a thousand years, Mm -hmm. approximately. It goes on to say the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for 1,000 years. And so uh, the premillennial view is, uh, again, the most popular view among Christians. Um, Most of it is based off of Revelation 20. And I would say a lot of their argument comes when you get into some of the supporting passages around the tribulation. So I'm not going to talk a lot lot about uh, premillennial right now, because when we get to the tribulation in part two of our podcast, that will kind of flesh out how this pre-trib thing works. Okay. So do we have a clear distinction Mm post-millennial? Post-millennial, they are trying to usher in the kingdom, and then Jesus reigns. For, um, you know, our, Jesus already uh, kind of ushered that in, I guess, so to speak, and then he comes, and that's kind of the end of the world. And then the premillennial is we are just waiting on Jesus' return, and then he'll rule for a thousand years. The amillennial, the third one, and this one is um, becoming more and more popular. I think until about a hundred years ago, there wasn't necessarily a distinction. Uh, it was really just premillennial and postmillennial, but. Um, there was a, a clear distinction made by a couple of theologians about 100, maybe 150 years ago now, 
uh, kind of separating this amillennial view. And it's all, it's all around the, the idea of the already but not yet. And so when the amillennial reads the book of Revelation, and specifically Revelation 20, just like the postmillennial, they're going to read it as ga- allegory, but they're going to push back on the pre-mill uh, who says, well, you can't, you can't read it as allegory. It's written as literal. And they'll say, okay, what other parts in the book of Revelation do you read as literal? You know, when, mm-hmm. when you hear about the bowls and the seals and the trumpets and these kind of uh, very uh, unique characters mm-hmm. in some of these situations, Revelation 20, they're saying, okay, do you, do, do you truly believe they're going to look exactly like that? The four horsemen, is this something on a horse? Like, it, are they the actual colors? Like, how much of this is verbatim literal interpretation and how much of this is just kind of figurative and how much of this is John just trying to relay uh, some sites that he probably can't fathom at that point. Um, and so the Amelino is going to go, look, there, there's a reason why we can look at this allegorically. Um, and, and so uh, they're going to take it from this idea when Jesus comes, he came to establish his kingdom. Now, when Jesus came, did everything all of a sudden get fixed and was better? Absolutely not. So that's the already but not yet idea. Um, Your kingdom come, maybe your will be done, is this idea, and we've talked about it in our church because it's one of our mission, you know, invest in his kingdom. The Mm -hmm. kingdom is a a big idea for us. Um, It's basically this idea that Jesus has a set-apart people, but yet there, there is a world fallen that we still live in, and we still reside in fallen bodies, vessels, broken vessels today. And so the Amelino is going to take that view and apply it to the, the eschatology and say, look, things are still broken, but basically we are already living in the end times is what they're saying. The, the, the millennial reign of a thousand years doesn't necessarily exist. They will agree to a degree with the um, post-millennial that says Satan is bound, and they will say, look, if you don't believe me, look how many people across the world are now hearing about the gospel. We still have a number of people. people I think the last time I heard, there was over 300 people groups that still have never heard the name of Jesus. And so they're going to make statements like, Think about how large that number was maybe 500 years ago. They've never had a Bible. These people have had, which means, in, you know, based off our understanding of Scripture, if they don't know Jesus, how could they ever go to heaven? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. And so their stance is we are to take the gospel to people. Now, they're going to differ from the post-millennial uh, in a sense that uh, the world is not better and better. So uh, we'll talk about this a little bit in the tribulation, but they don't necessarily believe that we usher in Jesus' return. They will say that as we reach more people, persecution will continue to happen. So Satan is bound um, from the authority and the power of us not being able to preach the gospel, but he is free, kind of like Job in a sense, to persecute us. Mm. And so Christians will continue to go through persecution and darkness and tough times. And, and so those are kind of the, the three views as quickly as possible. I don't know how long I just rambled. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what we got for those three views. Yeah, it's a tough subject to go over. And we thank you for sharing all this information with us. I know it takes a lot of time and a lot of studying to be able to explain this on a level that 
people that might not study the Bible as much to be able to fully comprehend that. Hopefully, but, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, if you didn't, let us know. Let us know what uh, we can talk about more uh, if you've been listening to all of this and if you stayed with us this whole time. But uh, if you loved what you heard and you want to hear more, make sure you keep an eye out for our next update. We're going to be talking about the tribulations coming up. So make sure you stick around and hear about that. But thanks so much for listening, everyone. Remember, love God, love people, and invest in his kingdom. Have a great day.